Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Whole Wheel Podcast, where we learn from leaders about new ideas and digital strategies and how to make a difference in the social impact world. My name is Krisha Martinez, one of the digital advertising whalers here at Whole Wheel, and your host for today's show. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Using the Whole Whale podcast, where we learn from leaders about new ideas and digital strategies making a difference in the social impact world. This podcast is a proud production of Whole Whale, a B Corp digital agency. Thank you for joining us. Now, let's go learn something. Today on the pod, we have Lewis Cheney, founder and CEO of Get to the Damn Point. Hey, Lewis, how are you doing today? Good morning, Carisha. I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing well on this lovely morning. Thanks for coming on the pod. Thank you so much for having me. It's a blast to be here. Yeah. So I think we're all kind of wondering what Get to the Damn Point is. Could you explain that a little bit more? It's definitely a conversation starter. <laughs> it is indeed. I've had people who struggled with that say, you know, can you call it Get to the Dang Point? I want to put little characters and things in. But I asked a friend of mine who's a pastor, do you say the word damn when you're like stump a toe or something like that she said i say it when i don't stump my toe or something like that <laughs> but the point of it is actually it's about clear concise communications being direct and getting to the damn point because people haven't realized that that small amount of time that you don't seem like you're wasting much of adds up and really cuts into the time in your presentations in your speaking in your meetings and everywhere else so i'm trying to get people to understand to cut things down get concise and get to the damn point yeah, I love that. And I think that relates a lot to like nonprofit storytelling, right? We always hear about nonprofits and this very long, kind of tedious to listen to mission um, when really they could get to the damn point about what exactly they want, what their mission is, and how they plan on ultimately making a large impact. Um, where do you see is kind of the weakest points in these nonprofit storytelling abilities? The biggest problem that I've seen with that comes in conveying that mission to the media, particularly in television, which is my background, what I come from. I worked for many, many years in TV news, entertainment news. I've done a lot of, if there's anything to do with a camera, I've probably done it more than likely. But here's the thing I've noticed. When they get on television, they get flustered. They don't really get their message out. I saw an interview with a young lady who was speaking for her nonprofit. I don't know what her role was, but she was talking to a TV station. And it was really, really bad. She was ah and umming through it. She didn't have a clear idea of what her message was going to be. She didn't answer the questions correctly. And I can tell you from the other side of that coin, it was going to be difficult to edit her and her message would be lost. And that's one of the biggest things I see is they need to learn how to get more concise instead of rambling on. Get it boiled down to a short story that you can tell that conveys not what your mission is. Don't tell me the statement. Give me an example of what your mission did. Yeah. And why do you think, I guess, when people from an organization are on television or on a podcast or on a webinar, what do you think is the reason that they feel the need to give this very long, tedious story as opposed to maybe a few sentences? Oftentimes, I think it's simply because they're just not used to it. I see so many people when I've been in that business in my career who just are not used to being on TV. And because of that, they didn't know how to plan for it. And that's one of the things you have to do. If you're going to be on television, you have to devil's advocate yourself and say, okay, what are the questions you're likely to ask me? Because unlike a lot of podcasts where you get questions ahead of time, in TV, you generally don't. 
you go in and they ask you whatever they feel like asking you. So kind of devil's advocate yourself of what questions they will ask and have those little answers to go along with it. I think that'll think, make things a lot better for you than going in and just trying to quote unquote wing it. If you don't have any rehearsal under your belt, you're going to stumble. Yeah, I've definitely fallen victim to the wing it kind of mindset. It's kind of like, <laughs> how many questions could they ask? I get the gist. I can probably figure it out based on whatever questions you ask. But I, I agree. I've definitely been in a situation where somebody has asked me about an organization that I work with or one that I'm passionate about. And I find myself going, oh, well, it's it's kind of like, or have you ever heard of or something along those lines, right? Um, so I do like the idea of kind of role playing a little bit with yourself, maybe talking to yourself in the mirror, kind of coming up with those harder questions. It might be awkward, but could seems very uh, like a good idea. Well, if you think about it, and I don't know if you did this, and I'm going to tell on myself here, and it's a little bit of embarrassment. We talked about that earlier, but I used to stand in front of a room full of people in my bedroom with a hairbrush yeah. and pretend to sing when I was a kid. And I had an audience out there. The same thing happens when you're speaking. Pretend you've got that audience and do it for real. Stand up there and talk to them. Answer those questions. Pretend you're being asked those questions. Don't just think them. Answer them out loud. Do that speech or that presentation out loud so you get a sense of what it's really like when you say those words rather than just think them. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And I, I was able to go through kind of a bit of your work. And one thing that really stood out to me was the idea that uh, – public speaking and those kind of soft skills are more reserved for those in higher positions, right? So maybe C-suite or directors or people along right. those lines who are, I guess, more likely or are the ones that are put more in the position to be those public speakers or those direct points of contact. What do you think the benefit of having everybody across the board in organizations have those soft skills and be prepared for that? It's actually two reasons for that. First of all, think about the time. Time is the biggest thing I'm focusing on when get to the damn point because we all eat from that time buffet when we're all together. And if you eat up a bunch of my time, I don't like it being wasted. You don't like it being wasted. Get to the damn point. You've said it about them, and guess what? They've said it about you too. <laughs> so you've got to learn to do that. It cuts down on meeting time, and everybody in the meeting were prepared as a public speaker and knew how to present information in a concise way, not only in a concise way, but in a way that engaged the audience. Imagine how much faster your meetings would be and you'd wind up getting twice the stuff done in half the time. Second of all, everybody on your staff, from volunteers to middle management to anybody who's in a position there, they are an ambassador for you. Mm -hmm. That means they have to know how to convey that message and talking to them about that and getting them to work that out. So when somebody asks them, 16 people don't say 16 different things. They're all singing from the same hymnal, so to speak. Yeah, I love that. And what would you say to maybe a, a board member or a C-suite executive who says, no, we really don't have the time or we really don't have the resources to invest in maybe our company or our organization of over 100 people in these soft skills? I can tell you right now, if you don't think you have the time, if you look at all the time you've lost doing this where you have messed up and not been able to get a deal or you've lost time in meetings, how much money have you lost because you weren't able to get what you wanted out of what you were trying to say? Mm -hmm. I would say you need to look and compare that to fixing the problem because a lot of people don't look at it from this side of things. They don't look at it from the the time side of things. Imagine how much time you're losing if you don't do this. 
Yeah, that's that's real. <laughs> of all the O's and ums, I'm sure we could fill decades of people saying them. <laughs> <laughs> that's just the tip of the iceberg. Right. So yeah, um, I think we kind of talked about maybe why board members or C-suite executives are maybe a little hesitant to do or to put in the work and the resources and the time essentially to work on these soft skills for everyone in their organization. Um, do you have any tips or tricks on ways that people can work on it now um, if they are willing to? Well, one of the first things I would tell you is when you're going to have meetings, try to get people to be as concise as you can. Hold them to a time limit. Mm -hmm. Say, look, I need you to come into a presentation, but I need 10 minutes. That makes them have to narrow it down. There's like this old saying, it's been attributed to a lot of different people over time, but it says something along the effect of, if you need me to speak for 10 minutes, I need three weeks to prepare. Mm -hmm. If you need me to speak for 15 minutes, give me three days. If you need me to speak for half an hour, give me two days. If you need me to talk for an hour, I'm ready right now. <laughs> because anybody can ramble to yeah. get up there and just talk. But when you have to really boil that down to the nuts and bolts of things, that's when you get people to start getting to the damn point, getting to the essential things and get them out of there. So you don't let them take over a meeting and talk for half an hour, put that PowerPoint up. And you and I have both been there. I know you've been there with me where somebody stood there and read the whole PowerPoint to you. Yeah. I'm like, you know, dude, that's a memo. <laughs> I didn't need this whole thing sent to me. You could mean stood like stood up there and read to me. I could have that sent to me and I can read it on my own. Mm -hmm. So the first step I'd say is start working towards that and limiting people and what they have to say to get them to learn to cut down. And it's time to feed the whales with a quick ad about Whole Whale University. This is our best online content packaged in courses. We're talking SEO, content marketing, Google ad grants, cybersecurity, and tons of webinars and other templates for you to use. You can buy them individually or as an annual subscription. Uh, we really put our best work in here. And if you're interested in the topics in this podcast that we tend to cover, we go a mile deep with these courses. That's wholewhale.com slash university. Yeah, I, I like that. I think oftentimes we do kind of try to implement those skills or exercises, right? We say, okay, you have 10 minutes of this meeting to present on updates for X project. Um, but I feel like oftentimes we do go over that 10 minutes where we say, oh, yeah, I see that I'm at time, but I just have a couple more things to say, or I have just two more things to, to update you guys on, if that's okay. How do you kind of combat that within your organization where you don't want to be rude and, you know, just say, no, you can't sit down, um, but you also want to hold people accountable, right, and have them work on these soft skills? I kind of agree with the, not so much being rude. There's different ways to do it, but I think if you foster that culture where you have people used to what you're going to do, that you will pull the plug on them. Mm -hmm. Because if you let them go, then they're going to continue to run over time. Yeah. One of the things about it is coming from a background of Toastmasters, I've been a Toastmaster for five years, and one of the things they instill there is we have a timer. Mm -hmm. And you know, when, when your time is up, you have to be done. When that little red light comes on, you've got 30 seconds to hush. And I would encourage people, I know it sounds kind of strange to have that in a meeting, but I'd certainly encourage it because having that timer, having them locked to a time and knowing, knowing you won't let them go over is going to make them stay within that limit. Yeah, I love that. I do have my timer on Zoom and maybe it is a little easier in our virtual world, right? Where we can kind of put that timer in the corner and I can see the seconds going and going and right. say, okay, I have from 1523 to 2523. This is what I need to get through. Um, so I love that. Do you have any other tips or tricks? 
The other thing that I would tell you is when you have people in there doing that, I've got some things out there, which we'll talk about later in my, in my course that you can look at, but just some basic things you can look at. You can find tips all over the place, any type of tips on making meetings shorter, but you want to be getting people to focus on the words. Think mm -hmm. about it this way. You can say something and take 75 words to say it. Or you can say it in a much shorter time and still get your point across or a short little anecdotal story that connects to the more than 15 different slides you've got of data up there. You want to put a face on the facts. That's the main thing. When you're up there and you're talking to people, you need them to go, yeah, me too. I get that. So you want to think in terms of what can I say to connect to them that will get this point across without having to put up a minute and a half worth of data that mm -hmm. I could do in 30 seconds with a short story. For example, think about that old story. It's been attributed, I think, to Hemingway and some other people. I'm not sure where it came from. It may just be an urban legend, but it's really cool. It was a story contest between writers who could write the shortest story that was impactful. Mm. And the sentence came out to be, for sale, baby shoes, never worn. Boom. Hit you right here, right? Mm -hmm. Six words. Six words. Be concise. Interesting. I don't think I've ever heard that story, but that's really interesting. I love that. It's something that when I read it, I was just profoundly touched by it. I'm like, wow, that is a really, really good piece of writing. And Halloween season, my favorite time of year, we're kind of in that right now. Have you seen those two-sentence short stories that are out there? Two-sentence yeah. scary stories? Yeah. Think about those. Those things are magnificent. They will just drive chills up your spine, but they're two sentences long. Mm. When you go to writing and you're preparing, and preparing is the key. Prepare for these meetings. Don't go in and try to wing it. Write it out. Rehearse it. Have your notes. Don't be afraid to use notes, guys. The notes are not for you. They're for the people you're serving. You're there to get your point in and get your time done in the time limit allowed. I'm sitting here with you on a podcast. I could talk about this all day long, but guess what? I have notes. <laughs> Why? Because we Use notes. People go, oh, they use notes. They can't be a professional. I'm a professional. I use notes. There's a guy out there named Alan Weiss. Love Alan speaking. He did a speech one time, stops in the middle of it, walks over, looks at his notes, comes back and goes, yes, I get paid $25,000 a keynote and I use notes. If he can do that, we certainly can. Yeah, I always have my notes. That's why I'm always kind of looking over <laughs> to the side. <laughs> so if I saw your screen right now, would it be covered with like little sticky notes all around it? Yeah, probably. I also sit in front of like this kind of cork board. It's just filled to the brim. <laughs> <laughs> Giving away your trade secrets now, aren't you? Yeah, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, but yeah, just to play devil's advocate a little bit, right? We talk about trying to be concise and trying to use as little words as possible to convey your message. What would you say to somebody who says, what if I use too, too little words and I'm still not able to communicate very clearly? What if I need those extra words to, I guess, make sure that whoever I'm presenting to is understanding me to the fullest of my abilities? Okay, there's a difference here between being short and getting like get to the damn point i think a lot of people think get to the damn point means i've got to be short it doesn't yeah. mean you have to be short mm. you could go 15 minutes you could go 20 minutes if you needed those words but the main thing is make sure you engage me the entire time you're up there mm. if you go for half an hour make it the best half hour make make me be engaged so much that after that meeting i walk out and go wow you're not going to believe what so-and-so just did 
Yeah. Make me remember these things because stories are sticky. Use stories in those. Really draw me in. Make me care. That's the big thing you have to do. Whether you're doing that in five minutes or if you're doing it in 20. But if you've been given that 10 minutes and you need more words, then what else can you cut? It's like in a movie. They tell you in a movie, you'll know in 10 minutes whether or not you like a movie. They come into a movie script this way. You join the scene late and you get out early. Hmm. You know, you see a guy talking about, we need to get to that guy's house right now. And the next cut you see is them knocking on the door. Right. You don't see them walk out, get in the car, drive by the drive-thru, pick up a burger, eat the burger on the way, then go knock on the person's door. You get that instant cut. Think of your writing and think of your delivery in those same terms. You get to the point by getting in and out as quick as possible. Yeah. And I love that clarification because I think oftentimes people think of being concise or getting to the damn point as maybe just using a few sentences and getting out, right? But that's not what we're trying to con convey here. We're trying to say... Get to the damn point using the words that you need to be able to convey or communicate your story to the best of your ability. Um, I love that. You know, if I may say something here to that, a lot of people talk about, you know, not writing or should I write or should I memorize the whole thing or should I stand up here and read it? Please don't mm -hmm. stand there and read it. Here's something that I've come up with that a lot of people have latched on to is what you're striving for here is perfection. And I don't mean perfection in the way you think I mean perfection. Passion is the key. If somebody can talk passionately about golf for hours, they may not have the right audience for that. They can talk for hours, but unless they're talking to golf buddies, the chances are nobody's really paying attention. So you can have great passion, but you have to have connection. So you think about those stories and what you're going to say that will connect to that particular audience. And between, between passion and connection is perfection. Mm. Everybody's looks different. Yeah, I love that. And we've been kind of talking about a bunch of different tips and tricks that organizations could use, right? What do you think would be the easiest first step that any organization or person can take tomorrow and becoming more concise and ultimately getting to the damn point? See, I like that you even laugh when you say it, which is awesome. <laughs> you like get to the I get to say damn. It's like when you were a kid, you get to sing a curse word, you know? Yeah. Start paying attention. It's in the song, mom. It's in the song. I'm just, I'm just repeating what I heard. All right. No, the first tip I would give anyone is the filler killer words. Toastmasters makes a big deal out of them. And there's a reason why they do. And I picked it up from them is these things are not just making you look unprofessional, unrehearsed, but they're killing your time. This is what Toastmasters does not look at, nor any other organization that I can find has looked at. Consider this. There's a video on my website. You need to check it out. I promise you it's excruciating to listen to. Lady was on TV doing an interview for a nonprofit. She was on there for five minutes for an interview. I cut it down to where it was just her speaking. Three minutes and 11 seconds. In three minutes and 11 seconds, she used over 70 filler killer words. Those are the ah, uh, um, yeah, but so like, why do I call them killers? Because they kill the most valuable asset you have and that's your time. I then cut it down even further. I cut it down to just those words. And those 70 words strung together ate up 37 seconds of time. 37 seconds out of three minutes and 11 seconds. And you may say, that doesn't seem like a long time, Lewis. Consider you're going before a board and you're going to be speaking for half an hour about your organization and you need those two lifebloods, right? Money and volunteers. And you get up there and you have all these ahs and ums in there. You wind up losing over six minutes of that, 30 minutes, real mm -hmm. quick. So how do you fix that? Stop 
drop and pause. You know it's coming, you hear it. You know you're about to say it. Simply stop, don't say anything. Drop that word and pause because pausing does two things. It allows your audience the opportunity to catch up to what you're saying. It allows you the opportunity to catch up to where you're going. So if you get off track on that as well, it's a good trick for you too. But if you start doing this as you're driving down the road, talk to yourself. It sounds ridiculous, I know it does, but talk to yourself, hear yourself, get rid of those words because if you get rid of them in your regular life, in your business life, they'll be gone too. Yeah, that's a great point. It kind of speaks to, I guess, off the record, what we were talking about before we even started recording. I always go through a list of best tips and tricks for podcast recording, right? And I always say, don't be afraid to take a pause. Even if it's really long, I promise it won't be awkward. We can always edit that out. And I guess that's essentially what you're saying. You can always just edit these pauses out of your life, I guess, going from just the way that you talk with your friends, your family, to your professional and business world as well. It's not so much a matter of edit, editing them out as it is accepting that they need to be there. Mm. The world abhors a, a vacuum of silence and silence is golden for a reason because it has value. <laughs> so when you have that moment where you take that pause, guess what people do? They lean in. Oh, they're about to say something really cool. <laughs> mm. you know. So they'll, they'll give you that buy into it if you just take that extra moment. It's the rushing through that people have a hard time with. It's not. It's learning to slow down because a lot of public speaking is knowing when not to, <laughs> knowing when to shut up. And that hurts a lot of people when they don't. Yeah. Do you have any other tips or tricks that a person or nonprofit could take tomorrow? Another one that I would tell you is when you're in front of an audience, whether that's in a meeting, whether that's in front of a board, if that's on a stage of a thousand people. And I think a lot of people think public speaking is, oh, I've got to be on a stage in front of thousands. Mm. No, it's not a rock concert. It's just a matter of being in front of people and it makes you nervous. Here's the best advice I can give you. I used to teach this to reporters and I would train reporters coming into TV. Simply find one person in that audience, either someone you know or someone who has a friendly face and look at them and talk to them. Now, that doesn't mean stare at them the entire time, mm. but imagine you're talking to just that one person or if you can't find somebody out there, think of someone you know that would listen to you and think about them while you're speaking like you're talking to just the one person because conveying that information to them everybody gets it and you feel more at ease because you're no longer talking to people who are in a meeting who maybe you think are judging you or an audience who you think may be judging you but you're talking to somebody that's comfortable for you yeah i love that it kind of sounds like imagine everybody's in their underwear it just kind of calms you down a little bit right <laughs> Here's the thing. I got to tell you about that. I've heard that so many times. I'm sorry. I may have caused you an edit issue there, but <laughs> here's the thing about the underwear. Don't picture people in their underwear. I tell everybody not to do that. Here's why. <laughs> if you find somebody in the audience that you think is really attractive and you picture them in their underwear, you're going to be distracted. <laughs> and equally, if you find somebody in the audience you think isn't very attractive, you're going to be distracted. So <laughs> I will picture them in their underwear and I advise them not to do the same. Yeah, great tip. Very good tip. <laughs> awesome. Any other tips and tricks? I think these are really great. I love that they're very actionable and things that you could really just use today, tomorrow. I'm trying to use them right now. I'll tell you one right now that is working in this world that we're in with everything that's going on. Everything's being done the way you and I are doing this now virtually. Take a look at your camera. Find your camera on your device and look right into it for me. 
Sure. There's a difference. If I'm looking here as opposed to looking here. Right. If I'm looking at the screen and talking to you, where are my eyes? They're not looking at you. But if I look at my camera, now I'm making eye contact with you. Mm -hmm. That's why you see people on TV who are hosts on shows or on programs staring at the camera because they're talking directly to you that way. Mm-hmm. So I would advise anybody, if you're doing something virtually, find your camera. When it's your turn to speak, talk to the camera. So that way you're engaging people. Second thing is notice my body language. I'm moving forward. I'm leaning back. I'm using the space that I'm in and working it like I'm on a stage. Rather than sitting here with my hands down and being a talking head through this entire thing so I can talk to you like this and be very monotone. No, 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 be you. And you've got to have that energy. The third thing, have the energy. When you get into this interview, you get into something where you're giving a speech or a presentation, you've got to bring it up, especially when you're here. I'm a professional speaker, and let me tell you, this is hard. It's really, really hard sitting, staring at my phone like I'm doing right now, looking at you, knowing there's a lot of other people out there who are going to be listening to this and seeing this, but I'm looking right here, and I'm just imagining I'm talking to you, and it works so much easier. Yeah, I love that. I do think that oftentimes we feel like we're on Zoom. We feel so unattached to anything, right? Oftentimes I just kind of sit here, just kind of lay back a little bit, you know, maybe look that way, look this way, look at my screen. You know, it's like you're on your own little world. But I do find that, you know, when I lean in a little bit more or I kind of think or nod or just kind of be present in ways that aren't verbal, it does make for a much warmer and ultimately more productive conversation. Your body language is a large part of how people read your conversation. If you don't believe it, guys, how many times have you misconstrued a text? Mm. Because you couldn't see the body language. You couldn't hear the voice to know. You know, there's even a rule out there for that that talks about 55% of communication is body language. And the problem is another piece of advice for people doing virtual, just like you and I right now, we both have our cameras on. We're both paying attention to each other. When you are somebody who's at a meeting, Leave your camera on and give them your attention. They deserve it. They're there. They should be able to get your attention. If you are doing all that, you get up and you leave and you come back to your seat and you're grabbing your whatever and you're doing things, it's distracting. So be kind and courteous to them. Look at the screen so that they know they've got you. Look at your camera if you can so they know that you're paying attention to them. And if you have to get up and move, turn your camera off for a second then come back. But when you're sitting there and you're looking at a bunch of little black boxes, it's really hard to communicate because you can't get the feedback. Are my jokes working? I don't know. Are they enjoying what I'm saying? Are they engaged? I don't know. Are they, are they over here picking their teeth and watching television while they're watching me? I don't know because your screen is off. So turn your screen on and pay attention just like you would if you were in, in person with somebody. Yeah, I'll say the most awkward moments for me on Zoom are when I try to make a joke and it's just an array of letters and dark marks <laughs> all over the screen. <laughs> I know it's so hard, especially when people have their mics off, you can't hear them laugh. Yeah. And that's another thing sometimes I encourage is I tell people, turn your mics on. As long as there's not a lot of noise in the background, turn your mic on. And that way I can hear your laughter. I can hear you whenever you think something's off. You go, hmm, that's good. I can hear those little things, but not talk over somebody, but at least for me to know you're engaging. Right. Maybe Zoom should invest in a laugh track. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're onto something there. I just might be. (laughs) That and a rim shot. So when you do a really good joke, (laughs) right. Zoom, we're here. We're ready for the ideas. (laughs) 
and and we'll just take a small cut of that. It's no big deal. No problem. It's really no problem at all. Before we move on to our rapid fire round, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about your course. Why should people take it? What's the benefit? What will they learn? There's so much in the course it's packed in. And again, because I get to the damn point, it's a four and a half hour long course. That is 12 modules, 57 lessons, 34 exercises. It covers everything from the power of words to the power of images, how to do blocking, how to do memorization, what you do for rehearsal. I cover a lot of things in the speaking world that you're going to get little nuggets of that you'll be going, never thought about that. You'll be jotting things down. The good thing is because it's a course, you can come back to it. But I also touch on the TV side, mm. not only how to do an interview, being on TV or being in media and being able to get to the damn point of doing sound bites, but how to write a news release that gets attention. I was an assignments manager for years. I can promise you there's a lot of things that came through, but right out of my inbox, just like this, because it wasn't formatted a way that I wanted to be able to see it. Just like in speaking, I don't have time to read a lot of things. I needed to get to the damn point. I have a lot of things in there addressing that, including the dirty little secrets that media will play on you that you're not aware of and they're not going to tell you. So I have a lot of things packed into this course that you'd have to go to several different courses to get, including talking about storytelling and things like that. So it's just chock full of information. Yeah, definitely. And with a virtual world, I feel like these tips are more important than ever. Being in board meetings that are on Zoom or talk taking or excuse me, accepting an award on Zoom. Um, a lot of things that I think your expertise in TV could really lend a hand to. I'll tell you this, what seems to have happened in this world is there's a lot more people who are now client facing than they ever were before. Mm. There's a lot more people who are having to be the center of attention. If you're in a meeting and you're just kind of off to the side, that's one thing. But when they call on you in a meeting, in a Zoom meeting or any sort of a platform like this, you're the first one on the screen. You're the one everyone gets to see. So everyone now is being pushed more to the front and need these skills more now than ever. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much, Louis, for such amazing thank tips. Um, but we're not done yet. We have our right. fire round, which is my <laughs> <right>. favorite round. <laughs> Um, I get excited about this round each and every time. I think it's a really great way to kind of get a gauge more of our guests on the podcast um, and just have a little bit of fun. Sure. So we have about 30 seconds or so to answer about 10 questions, no pressure. Um, but are you ready to get started? Yeah, I guess I'll have to get to the damn point, won't I? <laughs> you sure will. Uh, so what's one tech tool or website that you or your organization has started using in the last year? The DaVinci Resolve Editor. Huh, what's that? It's an editing program, editing software for editing video. Oh, interesting. I might have to give it a try for our YouTube. Uh, are there any tech issues that you're battling with right now? Surprisingly, yes. From a TV standpoint, I'm struggling with what camera and lights to use that will give me the best image. I'm still playing with that. Mm -hmm. Are you playing with it from a studio or from your home? And are those from my of... home? Mm, from yeah. my home. I feel you there. What's coming in the next year that has you most excited? Hugs. Oh. I am looking forward to hugs. I have so much to give. I, I'm not kidding. I'm going to be that guy in front of Walmart with the shirt that says free hugs simply because I've got so much to give. Yeah, totally feel you. Can you also talk about a mistake that you made earlier in your career that shapes the way you do things now? I didn't listen to my gut early enough. Mm. When I was a kid, I should have listened to my gut more. When I was a young man, I should have listened to it more. These days, I listen to it a lot. 
yeah, that sinking feeling is usually the right one. Do you think NGOs can successfully go out of business? I don't think they can. I think it'd be great if the world could do without it, but I think there's always going to be a need. And as long as there is, is a need, there needs to be somebody to fill it. Yeah, definitely. Let's just say you had a hot tub time machine that took you back to the beginning of your work. What advice would you give yourself? That's easy. Be an entrepreneur a whole lot sooner. <laughs> Good tip. What's something you think you or your organization should stop doing? I think I need to stop listening to all the gurus out there who say, hey, you can do it all. Mm. Guess what? You can't. That's why you delegate and it's something I'm learning. Yeah. Delegation is definitely a skill that I too should work on a bit. If you had a Harry Potter wand for the industry, what would it do? Very simple. Make sure nobody needs anything. Mm. Just fix the problems. I know that may sound cliched, but that's exactly what I wanted to do. What's your favorite question to ask an organization or board member? My favorite question to ask an organization or a board member? Tell me a story. Hmm. Tell me a story. Because if people tell you a story, it tells a lot about them or tells a lot about the organization. Yeah. Awesome. What's one piece of advice your parents gave that you did or did not follow? My mother did not chase her own dreams, but she always encouraged me to chase mine. And she's been gone for 10 years now because of what she instilled in me. Not only have I chased them, I've caught the majority of them. Yeah, I love that. And for my last question and probably my favorite, what advice would you give college grads looking to enter the social impact sector? Heart. You've mm. got to have heart. You've got to care. And that's not something you can fake. That's mm. something you have to be genuine at because if you're not genuine, they'll know it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. That is our rapid fire round. I have to say that's probably the fastest rapid fire round I've ever had. <laughs> I'm glad I could get to the damn point for you on that one because if it went really long, wouldn't I look silly? <laughs> <laughs> And you really did. Um, so thank you again for playing, for being on our podcast. Where can people find you and your work? You can find me at gettothedampoint.com. That's the biggest place you can find me. I'm also out there on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can find me under that moniker as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lewis. This has been a blast. A lot of really great tips and a pretty fast rapid fire round if I do say so myself. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm glad I could appease you with that. When I first heard about this rapid fire round, I'm like, ooh, this ought to be really, really interesting. And it was. And it was a lot of fun, too. I enjoyed it. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on the pod. Thank you. This has been Using the Whole Whale podcast. If you want to keep learning more about these topics and others, head on over to wholewhale.com university to keep learning with us. Thanks as always to gregthomasmusic.org for his tunes that underwrite our tracks. They're fantastic. Hope you're doing well, Greg. And just a reminder, subscribes really help us on any platform that you listen to us on. Please give a thought to click and subscribe and maybe even a comment because we like hearing from you. 